what since the second half really how much they've really struggled charged with finding some stability from this scrum and he can't find it that's a mighty shot a mighty Mark Lester the scrum battle resumes now and a big shot from Brazil oh that's sensational Hi, and welcome back to the journey of a grassroots rugby coach. More tracksuits, less business suits. And in today's episode, I'm talking to James Wanch. He coaches under 13 rugby in Canberra, and we chatted about all things junior rugby, including getting the parents involved with training, um, getting the results that you deserve, and talking about culture, ethos, and a few other things. There are some connection issues throughout this uh, podcast, so just bear with it for a little bit. It was just really hard to edit out, so I just ended up leaving it in. Um, but I really enjoyed this chat with James. I hope you do. If you uh, like the pod, feel free to subscribe so you get all the updates. Um, and thanks again for listening. Good culture and good ethos, I think, underpins you know, it was critical to the success of any footy team. And, and even at the sort of the 13s, you know, we try and sort of, as I said, help them to set high standards for themselves. So, you know, getting into training and um, ensuring that sort of they value coaches' time by paying attention and, um, you know, everyone's at different skill levels, but if they can just listen and, and try and learn something, then then I find it, a, you know, quite a rewarding uh, endeavour. Let's make a start. Yep. Okay. So, um, James, just for the listeners, can you just give us, um, just in a nutshell, 30 seconds, uh, who you are, where you are at the moment, what teams you're coaching at the grassroots level, that, just that type of general stuff, so people get an yeah. idea on who, who we've got? Yeah, no problem. No problem, Andrew. So, basically, um, uh, current coaching and under-13s, um, uh, boys team here in Canberra, um, sort of that came about through my, my youngest son who sort of started playing rugby union when he was about aged eight. Um, he's had a little bit of league before that and then sort of um, at my urgings or suggestions, being a, a rugby man from way back, sort of uh, was encouraged to, to give union a crack, which he sort of enjoyed. And um, I sort of was helping out coaching and then sort of as things pan out, became sort of the head coach. And um, I'm now lucky enough to be sort of supported by a co-coach. I mean, my background was in the forwards so you know i can sort of understand a little bit about set piece and stuff like that but the dark arts of the of the backs is, is beyond me so i've got a great guy who helps me out um with our backs so uh it's very much a, a team effort and um together we uh we try and get the boys up and motivated and performing to the best of their ability awesome no that's really good mate um yeah and most people don't know the dark arts of the forwards mate so it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's we're speaking the same language tonight so that's good Oh, good. Um, <clears throat> all right, mate. Um, so you basically covered there of how you got into coaching, so that's that's all right. Um, have you had any disappointments through your coaching journey? Uh, look, there have th been few. I mean, um, I, I guess you've got to work on your people management skills. I, I guess when I sort of first took up a coaching role, I was very much focused on, okay, well, it's my job to try and help the, the kids develop their rugby skills and, and sort of, you know, improve their their understanding of the game and apply those skills in, in a game day context. But, you know, 
Um, I think the thing I learned is that, you know, each kid's unique. Um, you can't keep, you know, can't sort of just apply the same sort of rule or expectations to, to every kid in your squad. You really need to understand, you know, what makes them tick and, and be attentive and, and tailor them, you know, what works really well to motivate um, and engage one child, you know, is, is not the right approach for the next child. So that's been a, a learning curve across, you know, um, when kids decide not to continue playing rugby, that's always a disappointment and you sort of have to, you know, take that at face value. It's not it's not a game that suits everyone, but I, I like to think that sort of they leave on a good note and I always sort of say, you know, you're welcome to come back at any time and, and re-engage with the sport. So, um, you know, I think, you know, from a participation, we struggle in Australia with so many sport opportunities out there, you know, soccer and, and rugby league and AFL. So, um, you know, to keep union healthy, I, 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 you know, I see it as part of my role to make it, you know, hopefully fun and, and rewarding for the kids so that they they do want to stick around and um, and play again the next season. So, um, and possibly the only other thing is, you know, um, you know, working with parents can be challenging at times. So I try and be open in my, my sort of, dealings with them and, and um, you know, if they feel that their child's not getting opportunities then come and speak to me and we'll, you know, I'm, I'm happy to sort of address that. Um, so, you know, ensuring that you're listening to their concerns and and uh, and acting on those I think is important. You know, I want to make sure that the parents feel engaged as part of the process as well. They give up their Saturday mornings to come and sit on in Canberra, what are very freezing sidelines quite often. So um, ensuring that they feel engaged and communicated with I think is an important part of the process as well. Yeah, and that's often difficult at all levels of the junior game is getting buy-in from the parents. Because mm. um, mm. most of them, well, well up and, unless they're under 18, they probably don't have a licence. So yeah, a lot of it falls back on the parents to get them where they need to be. So, yeah, you need that buy-in. Yeah, that's right. And at the, I mean, at the very junior level, you know, parents would often jump in and, and, and help in terms of running drills and skills, which I think was great. You know, there's legal constraints that we have to be obviously mindful of that stuff. And, um, you know, so that sort of, you know, I think has tapered off a little bit, but certainly, um, you know, ensuring that sort of you give them a chat at a training and catch up with them on game day to ensure that they do feel engaged and understand what's going on. We use we use like WhatsApp groups and, and the Teams app to sort of um, ensure that all parents are uh, kept informed and, and understand sort of, you know, what's happening from a, a training perspective, what's happening from a game day perspective, et cetera. So if you keep those communications channels open, I think that's part of the part of the success. Yeah, you're dead right, mate. Um, and that's some good advice for young coaches that are in that junior space is to keep those parents engaged because there's um, – and giving them a role at training if they're there um, – even if it's, like you said, hold, holding a tackle bag or, you know, just pick the balls up that get kicked or that's it. What, whatever that's it. it is, um, it's that extra set of, that extra pair of hands for you. Um, so if we flip that on its head, mate, um, have you had any um, really good moments or, you know, a really great moment um, coaching? Um, and a lot of coaches actually don't reflect on the results. It's um, so it's some some have said, you know, it's about the you know the players coming back or this player doing this or that. Some yep. have said, yeah, the results. Um, so it's sort of a it's it's a pretty broad question, um, but all coaches have got something that sort of stands out as a as a good moment for them. Yeah, look, I um, 
I think for me it was it was this year certainly um, a number of my boys that have been in the squad for, for several seasons um, we had ACT trials at the under 12 age group last year and then because of COVID they got canned so um, this year they sort of turned up again there was quite a large group of boys that turned up to trial and I think we were lucky to have four or five kids that, that made that ACT rep side that then played in a, a tournament recently so I think you know, seeing them there, getting their, you know, junior Brumbies jerseys handed out to them was a, a pretty proud moment. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I had much to do with it, but, you know, if we can sort of help the ones that are blessed with the genetic talent to, to take it to that level and, and, and be willing to step up and, and have a crack at that level, that was a, that was probably the most gratifying moment. Um, you know, the results are part of it, you know. Um, I don't live and die by them, but with the same token, I think what I say to the kids is, you know, if we're going to train twice a week and, and turn up, let's make sure we put that effort in and really concentrate and try and set a high standard for ourselves so that, you know, come game day, we're ready. And then, you know, my favourite saying to them is you'll get the results you deserve. So they work hard enough and they, they're willing to commit and really listen and then hopefully put those skills into practice in a game day situation, they will get the results they deserve. And, and we were lucky enough to have some success last year and, and certainly, you know, that was, was more a, a sense of relief than anything else to, to think that the boys all the effort they put in over a number of seasons had sort of culminated in that kind of result so um you know uh, i think if you empower them to sort of take it upon themselves and and um you know they can they can aspire to the highest level and if we can support them getting there that's that's very much my mindset um as opposed to sort of saying thou shalt or you will or we're going to i, I like to put it on them and so to say you know you will get the results that 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 you're willing to to work for and um, that's proven to be the case thus far in uh, in my coaching career which has been good yeah and that's a really good uh point um is especially at that that under 12 under 13 age group they're starting to develop those mindsets and by putting it back on them is it, it sets them up well for the future um, like if they want to be a good athlete, they're going to put the effort in. If they're just that guy that's going to play club, you know, might be a third grader forever, but still have the fun. He's still going to put the effort in. Yep. Um, so that's, that's, um, I think that's another important point. And, um, even at a, a fairly young age group, I was an advocate for, for grading of players. I think that, you know, some of these kids have been playing rugby league and rugby union since they're like five or six years of age. So, you know, their skills by by under 10s, under 11s are pretty well developed, some of them. Where at that age group, you're still getting complete new kids coming to sport, which is fantastic as well. But to try and meld that huge span of talent can be very challenging. So I'm all for, for grading and making sure that sort of your players that might be sort of further developed in their rugby journey have the opportunity to sort of, you know, take those skills again to a, to a step higher, whereas those that are new to the sport are... Are being you know appropriately brought along in terms of the fundamentals of the game the tackle the breakdown etc so it's difficult though if you meld all those groups together to try and run sessions that are catering for that that broad span of skills so um i won't lie sometimes those grading conversations have been difficult i've had parents very upset when you know people at the cusp of maybe top grade second grade you know think think sort of their their child should have been in the top division but um, you know, and the way to manage that, I found, is you, you, you try and employ at least sort of, you know, a couple of third parties to sort of 
it's not just all sort of on the coaches staff to make those decisions so that we can sort of have a, a independent perspective um i think it's important there but you know what what i find there is you don't get kids that are sort of then playing in a grade that is just above them and you know if they turn up and they're getting dominated physically or you know and they just have the skill sets to compete and they're, they're copying the floor for everyone so if you can have kids playing in the right skill level and ideally you know those kids in the second skill level once their physical maturity kicks in they could go on and become first grade players you know i've, I've seen kids change you know rapidly in the space of uh you know 12 to 20, 24 months in terms of physicality and in terms of skills and development so it's not as if that's you that's your lot for life it's just that's where you know i think for your rugby development that's the best probably place you know for your game development as it stands yeah, and that's some good insight there. Um, I remember when I was doing some club junior stuff, especially in that, like you said, that 13, 14, 16 age group, you've got some kids that are twice the size of other kids. Mm. And then like in under 13s and they come back for under 14s and the kid that was the smallest kid on the team is now the second biggest. And yeah. the kid that was the biggest is now the same size as everyone else. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, potentially... The, the kid that's always the biggest is probably not the mo is a lot of the times not the most skillful because he's just used to running over people and yeah that's and, it and now he's the same size as everyone else he's got to use footwork he's, he's got to use game yeah, awareness yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. yeah that's that's a that's a good perspective about having them graded in into um, levels because I've and I've played with guys that are just um, you know this especially some of the the nines I've played with smallest place you've ever seen and, and they're probably the yeah. toughest as well yeah yeah <laughs> so you, they're just used to it you know um you, you can put skills into the kids but you can't really put hard i mean i've had some some yeah some yeah. kids that sort of physically are some of the smallest but just your know, heart of the line stuff and really will will stand in front of the biggest guys running at them and and put their bodies on the line you think wow you know like if that you know, once your growth spurt comes in, you know, I think you could be, a, you know, with that level of courage and commitment, um, you know, I think you can go places with you. So it's important to keep those those kids engaged and ensuring that they're not getting, you know, um, dominated physically or whatever in terms of sort of, so again, that grading process plays roles there. And probably at the margins, what you're getting is kids that are probably have the skills to play Div 1, but just not the physical size at this stage. So it's like, ensuring that they understand that and I'll, I'll be overt and I'll tell them that I'll say look you know you're on the right pathway here um but you know if I put you up here there's a duty of care as well in terms of ensuring that you know you're, you're not going to walk off to feel broken so um and, and kids start to get that so you know I think um as long as you couch in the right way and then couch in a, in a constructive way then then kids will will take it as as intended and um you know we've got a couple of squads you know in our age division um and uh it's a, but it's a good camaraderie across the two squads as well i like to sort of say you know let's mix some of the groups of training so some of the the developing kids can see what the the more advanced kids are doing how they're tackling how they're cleaning out so not just sort of sit and forget now you're two different teams but looking to ensure that there's that crossover and, and camaraderie and also giving those secondary kids if they're really standing up during the season um the opportunity to, to step up and, and play div one um as I said, no set and forget mentality. I think sort of keeping everyone keen and, and ideally wanting to aspire to that big one. That that's sort of what I try and foster across the across the two teams. Yeah, and do you find that the kids that are sort of those fringe 
they're probably in the second team, but they could play in that first team. Do they train harder to try and get into that first team? or um, And do you find that having that guy there um, keeps the guys that play in that position in that first team, keeps them training harder as well? Because I know yeah. that there's someone there. Um, I know at yeah, the senior level that, they do, but at, at the junior level, is that still... We try. It is constrained yeah. a little bit by um, rules associated with sort of, you know, um, if you play X games in X grade, then you're excluded from finals in that division. So if I, you know, and I understand why that is. I mean, they don't yeah. like people stacking teams and dropping all your div ones to div two if they don't make finals. But by the same token, I think sort of it's probably not the best settings in terms of encouraging that 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 flow and the ability to sort of move players up and down without having to keep a really tight tally of our oh, Fred's played six games, so he's now out or whatever it might be. So I think, you know, when we design those rules, I think sort of, you know, the, the sort of the, the competition lens about, oh, we don't want to stack teams needs to be balanced against what's best for player development in terms of having that flexibility and being able to to move kids up and down and give them the opportunity that they probably deserve through through training and effort and commitment. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've stepped up the, some twos guys to, to reserve on the bench and, and when they're given the opportunity, they've, they've had a red hot crack. So been really impressed with, um, with the willingness and attitude for them to do that. And, and, uh, you know, again, hopefully that gives them that taste. And, and again, if they keep working, then, then I'm sure that their time will come. Yeah, no, that's some good insight, mate. Um, yeah, and I, I haven't been involved in a system like that for a, quite a number of years, so it's probably all changed since I coached junior, junior at, at that level type stuff. Um, so it's good to... It is a numbers game, though. You know, you've got yeah, to have a uh, Yeah. And really, you know, we work on at least 20 members per squad because at this age group, there's going to be injuries, there's going to be illness. So we're lucky that we had around you know, 40 to 42 regos to be able to sort of have luxury of, of, of countering two teams. And, you know, the worst environment, and I've seen this you know, at my previous club, is where you get around sort of 28 to 30 boys, and it's like, what do we do here? I'm like, Yeah, not, um, not enough for two, but too many for one. That's right, that's right. Yeah. And then you're sort of having to, you know, have a huge rotation and stuff like this. So um, my advice to coaches is just try and, if you're in that circumstance, rattle the cages, whatever you can do to, to try and top those numbers up. And if that means speaking to the age group above and sort of saying, look, have you got any smaller body kids that we might want to get a dispensation for to come down? And similarly, looking below and sort of saying, have you got any really well-advanced or physical kids that might consider playing up? Um, we've used that sort of process to try and plug those gaps and that's worked quite well. Um, but yeah, sort of no one, you know, kids want to play rugby. So sitting on a bench of eight to 10, it's just, um, it's not good for anyone. So uh, that's the only other advice I'd give if you're in that situation where numbers are sitting at that, you know, mid to late twenties, then maybe sort of, you know, seeing if we can move some players from, from aid groups above and below to try and top up and give you that enough to, to maybe do the two team structure. Yeah. And it's difficult for the kids, like you said, if there's, eight to ten kids on the bench it's even harder for a coach oh yeah because <laughs> you just you're just trying to you know get everyone on the field and you know, there's all this other stuff at play and you're just like oh, yeah it's a it's um it's not easy for the coach either when when you've got that many reserves um to get them all on the field 
for, it's not, and it and it flows um, into you know, the kids get disappointed and the parents get yeah. disappointed and they start sort of nattering, sort of oh, you're not giving you know my kid enough of a go and um, yeah, so it's difficult. So it's a situation I would I would encourage clubs to try and avoid if and where they can. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, it's sometimes you don't you don't have that luxury at some clubs and other clubs you do and yeah. Yeah, all the all the joys of um, coaching junior footy at the grassroots level. <laughs> um, it's rewarding, though. I mean, you know, as I've said, no one no one holds a gun to my head and says says do this. I mean, I give them my own time because I find it really rewarding. I mean, I think um, watching the boys develop and, and grow and and form those friendships. You know, I think sort of the what you start to see from from tens and above is you know, especially if the kids have had a few seasons together, that camaraderie really starts to kick in and it's and it's yeah. it's beyond just themselves you know kids start to go this isn't just about me scoring the most tries or making the biggest tackles it's it's about that that team ethos and and you know by 13s you know that's starting to blossom i think they're they're still not communicating enough on the field so i tell them guys you've got to you know if, if someone makes a great tackle get around them and you know ensure that you you know um you're showing that each and every player out there is is supported so um but it's coming to fruition you know that, that we're uh, good culture and good ethos i think underpins you know it was critical to the success of any footy team and and even at the sort of the 13s you know we try and sort of as i said help them to set high standards for themselves so you know get into training and um, ensuring that sort of they value coaches' time by paying attention and, um, you know, everyone's at different skill levels, but if they can just listen and, and try and learn something, then, then I find it, a, you know, quite a rewarding uh, endeavour. Yeah, and I can, I, th I think you can set those standards early without being over the top. Yeah. If, especially at like that 13, if, but you set them some standards that we want you here on time. If someone's talking, like you you want to get them in that habit of like the good habits. Yeah. Um, but without being over the top. Like, sort of no, like, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But I find, you know, you can do that pretty simply. Like if I'm finding the kids are having a night where they're just not switched on and there's talking or whatever, you know, I'll say, okay, up, up around the post you go. So I'll throw a run and they come back and we say, okay, are we, are we switched on now? We want to go, <laughs> do you want to do some more laps around the post? And most of the time kids go, yeah, no, we're switched on now. And, and and that's all it takes. So, but I think you're right. If you nip in the bud early and you sort of try and set a bit of a a clear expectation, you know, and, and for me, it's just about respect. You know, I'll respect the kids' time, respect that the kids are there for fun, for fitness, for enjoyment. Um, if they respect that coaches giving of their time to to try and help them succeed, then that's the that's the sweet spot. And and as long as that that foundation of respect is there, I think um, it it you know it it sets a platform for a, a positive season, regardless of of results on the footy field. Yeah. Um, and that's a good point you made about, you know, um, if they're sitting around and they're, you know, mucking around and stuff like that, sort of leads into the next sort of point. Um, Canberra can be a cold place in winter. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you do, um, especially for like the kids at that age, what do you do at your training sessions to keep them engaged and make them not make them but so that they want to turn up like there's a three or four reasons why they just go oh it's too cold i don't want to go it's raining yeah but they turn up to train so what what do you do and stuff like that just to sort of keep the engagement up keep them coming back to training yeah uh, i think having a co-coach 
helps immensely because, you know, if you're working full time and trying to coach and, you know, I think just trying to turn up and go, I'll I'll just make it up on the fly really works. I think, you know, it's good to have a few plans up your sleeve in terms of, okay, you know, we've had to, you know, as a coach I've developed in terms of, you know, at a very young age, it was all about fundamental skills. So we'd always do some tackling. We'd always do some breakdown and clean out stuff, um, you know, because they're probably the two foundational skills that, that, you know, without those, you're really, you're not playing rugby. So mm. we spend more time on that as as they've developed, you know, the nuance of, of the set piece. So the typical sort of training schedule, it won't look the same from one session to the next, you know, um, and I might say to my co-coach, oh, you know, I've had a really busy day at work and I haven't had a chance to, to think about it. Have you given it thought? And he'll say, yeah, I've got some ideas. So he might take the lead on, on day one. And then the other day, I'll, you know, it'll be on me to sort of lead the agenda. So I find that's really useful in terms of, you know, sharing that sort of you know, that mental load in terms of developing a, a coaching program, you know, variety is critical, you know, so trying to have, uh, you know, you can warm up in multitudes of ways. Um, I do jump on, you know, YouTube and look up rugby training drills for under 13s and you'll find that there's, heaps of stuff there really so um that's a great sort of resource to to sort of uh try and find some new skills and and drills to to work on um and then depending on sort of what's coming up you know we're playing a stronger opposition weaker opposition you know we've got sort of other age groups that we can sort of you know draw on to do some opposed stuff the kids always love that um and i always say look happy to do that as part of the session at the end but really the quid pro quo in that is that we do the skills, you know, to a high standard. And then when we do the opposed, you want to see that skills transfer into that sort of live context. So that tends to be a good a good sort of balance between sort of keeping, you know, making sure that they are getting the skills development they need and then having a chance to quickly put that into practice through a, an opposed session at the end. Um, so, I mean, apart from that, you know, I do tell parents, look, it's a winter sport, Canberra's cold, but the expectation is that, unless it's hailing cats and dogs that, that we try and get there. Um, it's been a really wet winter here in Canada this year. And so we've had uh, ground closures quite a lot, um, which, you know, in hindsight probably has kept them fresh. You know, like if, if, you know, by this stage of the season with only sort of a few weeks to go, it can be getting along with the tooth. But I think maybe some of those ground closures have been a blessing in disguise. You know, it means that sort of they've, they've only had one training, you know, per week or, We've had some weeks where there just there's been no training. So, you know, you know, when it happens, you go, oh, I'm a bit frustrated. We wanted to prep this way. But, you know, when you look at it from a whole of season perspective, which is a is a quite long season, um, you know, potentially those washouts, you know, uh, of either games or training sessions are a, a bit of a blessing at this age group. Yeah. Um, so when you have those nights where the ground's closed or the weekend that the game's washed out or whatever it is, do you organise something for the boys to do um, like an online staff or indoor staff or anything like that? Or do you just give them, give them the night off and, and they know that that's just part of playing rugby in Canberra? Yeah, look, I mean, we've, we've, we have explored that. Um, I coach at a school environment. Unfortunately, yeah. the gym, the gym's pretty fully booked with like basketball and, and other indoor sports. So there's not that flexibility to be able to sort of, oh, we'll take it inside for an indoor session. Yeah. What I'll try and do though is, is if we've had a, a washed out session, you know, if we've got a game time, rather than turning up sort of 40 minutes before, I might sort of say, come 
come a full hour before to allow us to do a bit more set piece revision or backs movements or whatever it might be just to ensure that um, we're, we're still developing those skills. Um, you've got a strike balance there that they haven't run their race before <laughs> before the game kicks off. So um, uh, it's not too intense, but, you know, we do try and sort of do a, a slightly extended session on game day just to to make up for those, those washed out training sessions. Um, and I'll also say to the boys, look, you know, um, there are skills in rugby that, you know, if you just come to training twice a week, you won't develop, you know, like how to kick a great football, how to kick a ball well, how to catch a high ball. If you're in the hooking position, how to, how to do a great throw. All of these are skills that you really need to practice at home. Go down the oval with a brother, take your dad, whatever you can do. Um, it's the extras that you do that will sort of help the skills really kick forward as opposed to just solely come to training. So, you know, it depends on the individual kid motivation, but I, I know that there are kids that sort of listen to that and take that to heart and go down and, and do the extras, you know, in their own time and um, and the results they get on the, on the field, you know, reflect that. Yeah, yeah. And you, and you know those kids straight away. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, some other kids don't, and that's, that's quite okay as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, sometimes there's a lot of reasons why they don't do it, you know. Um, yeah. Um, what was I going to go back to? Oh, so when you run your sessions, mm. um, what's your thoughts around? Um, so you're doing a catch pass drill, whatever that yeah. looks like, three v two, whatever, whatever it is. However you run your catch pass drill, um, and you want to give these, give the, give the boys some feedback. Um, what's your process around, around giving that feedback, and what would that look like? Yeah, so I think it's important when you're setting up the drill to to be very thorough and clear about what why are we doing this, what's the intent, and then walking through, okay, here's, here's how we're doing this. So a three-on-two catch and pass drill, for example, you know, walking them through that and understanding why is it important. So not just not just doing a drill for drill's sake, but you know, rugby's a game of numbers. So we're always trying to get the advantage numbers-wise, um, you know. When we're holding the ball, we've got we've got you know decisions to make. Am I going to try and run over the top of this person in front of me, or if I've got a support player outside, am I going to draw and then pass? Um, so we'll explain the context and the sort of the theory, for want of a better term, behind the drill, and then we'll get into it. And then you know, often sort of there's there's little issues, so just timing issues. People have taken the ball too close to contact. People are are passing too early. So again, we t we talk about sort of okay, you know, let's go back and sort of see what you did there. Can we do that differently? What if you took one more step towards the player and try and see shoulders move towards you and then throw the pass? Um, you know, kids doing things like no-look passing. I'm like, guys, you know, that's great in some respects, but I, at this age group, I want us to be making sure we're getting the, the fundamental skills right first. And if we get those top-notch, then you can start doing the, the more fancy no-look stuff. Um, so try and keep it fun, try and keep it light. I mean, um, uh, and get people to watch. You know, what I, what I try and do is is not that, you know, you do your one drill and just go and sort of stargaze and talk to your mates at the back, but trying to, you know, rather than getting to line up sort of, you know, uh, you know, uh, away from the drill, if you can get the line happening near the drill and get them trying to focus and watch their teammates and and sort of learning from what they're doing as well. So, um, you know, less about it's just about me. I've done my skill, you know, in this circuit. I'll go to the back of the line, switch off until I get to the front of the line, trying to get them to 
you know, be watching what the others are doing. Um, you know, tackling's a key one with that as well. So some of our guys have really great tackle technique. Others are still learning that skill. So I find if, you know, if you can show them close up, how they, look how they're using their feet, look how they're aligning their bodies, um, look how they're driving with that shoulder and keeping the, the feet up rather than dropping to knees. All these little, little components um, that are small teachable moments, getting them to watch and observe and, and, and gee each other up. Oh, great tackle, Mick. Oh, yeah, well done. You know, so making it making it fun and, and sort of almost like a uh, an enga actively engaged kind of audience as opposed to yeah, just do my circuit and I'm at the back and switch off. So um, with a bigger squad, that's that's a key thing as well. Like, you know, break it into two so that there's, le you know, there's less waiting time and more active participation time, I think is important. Yeah, and I think that's where you can actually utilise that the co-coach or the parents you can have you know you can have whether it's the same drill in two locations or you know this this drill here and that drill there and they just yep. rotate, rotate and, they just there and yep. they're moving because you've got like the co-coach um or a couple of parents and you know they can just um yeah but but keep the kids moving that, that's really good um what's some of the lessons that you've learned over your coaching journey mate yeah, I think the the key lesson is to, is to is to be open to new to new coaching stuff. You know, just you know, I'm finding as as the kids mature, it's forcing me to sort of go, okay, well, you know, you've made a point earlier about sort of physicality differences start to even up a little bit, and then it's about okay, well, if, if both sides have decent players that are fit that can tackle, you know, it becomes more nuanced about okay, well, it's it's game situation awareness, it's taking the right decision. Um, so it, it almost, you know, my, my challenge now is to move my thinking and, and I'm open for more training development as well. You know, the Smart Rugby, I think, is a, a great platform for those that are taking up coaching roles at that very junior level. I think at this age group, you know, I'm looking sort of for, for new development opportunities myself in terms of just understanding some of that theory and how we can sort of get that game awareness theory into specific drills, which sort of, you know, simulate game day scenarios and really put the, you know, get people not just to go through or react automatically, but to really think about, well, in this situation, I've got option A, B or C, what might I take and why? Um, because they're the things that are going to start to, to, to win your games and you won't just sort of be able to throw the ball to your fast kid and get him to run around. You know, they're, they've caught up and defensive structures have improved. So you really need to think more about, okay, you know, hit up, hit up, hit up, and then maybe backs move, but not just through the hands, how are we going to try and create space? So, it's, a, it's becoming a much more uh, technical um, uh, endeavour for me and I'm enjoying that challenge. Um, as I said, my co-coach is, is far more knowledgeable on, on, on back moves, so, but I always try and unpick, you know, okay, what are you teaching there and tell me about that process. And um, So, you know, I, I think if you adopt just a, a learning mindset and go, you know what, I... Um, uh, I've got stuff to learn. You know, the second you think you know it all, I think you, you, you're done, you know, as a coach. I think you've got to be open to, to development. You know, if we think about, you know, um, Dan McKellar, you know, he's gone from sort of, you know, coaching at a, a local club level here at Canberra, getting into the Brumby system, head coach at Brumbies. He's now up to Wallabies assistant coach, you know. that from And he's my age, so that's quite, a, you know, inspiring that he's, he's got to that level. Um, I'm not saying I want to necessarily replicate that, but I think sort of, you know, for my aspirations, maybe getting, you know, following these boys, if I can, through to sort of, um, you know, you know Colts level and, and even through to grade. Um, you know, for me, rugby, 
the game is part of the equation. I think the lifelong friends you make through rugby is 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 why I love the game so much. And um, you know what I'm trying to imbue is that same sort of love for the the culture aspects. Um, you know, it's 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 those sort of intangibles about you know committing to something bigger than yourself. You know, putting team before yourself in in many situations. Um, that help you grow not only as a rugby player but as a person. So if we can play a role in that space, then then that's that's the most rewarding aspect for me. And part of that is ensuring that I have the knowledge and skills that are up to date and can try and imbue that knowledge. So um, at the club I'm at, the coaches are quite uh, a fraternity. You know, we exchange ideas. You know, we'll go and bounce ideas, and I'll see a coach doing a drill, and I'll go and watch and say, "Oh, talk me through what you're doing here." Um, we're lucky enough to have sort of a a rugby manager who sort of walks around and, and again provides that sort of sounding board for coaches as well. So um, it's a team. It, coaching is a team sport as much as playing rugby is a team sport. In in my uh, in my um, in my view. Yeah, that, that's a good point, mate. It, it really is. Even even if you're the only coach of that team, like you said, there's other people at the club that. Um, you can always pick their brains. Ask for help. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, we um, we had a player that um, that moved to a, a Sydney GPS school um, as a boarding student this year, and we're doing some pre-season. I said, oh, "Wouldn't it be fantastic if we went up to Sydney and had a crack against you know these guys and really tested ourselves?" Mm. You know, and um, I thought, "How am I going to do this?" So, well, I just sort of googled who the head of rugby was at the school and. I sent him an email saying, look, you know, our players now moved up there and is there any scope we could organise a, a trial game or something? And he came back straight away and said, yeah, fantastic idea. Yeah, for sure. Um, I shared that with, a, you know, another coach and he said, look, can we take our age group as well? So ended up we had a, a busload of, of two squads that went up for a, a trial game in Sydney in, in, in April and um, it was a fantastic day and really high quality rugby. And what I left from that perspective is just you don't, Unless you ask the question, you know, I think we create boundaries and think, oh, that, you know, uh, we're just, a, you know, a Canberra Minnow, are they going to give us time of day? But of course they did. It helped that it turns out they're on a 13s coach, is an ex student of the, the school I coached at Durham Island so, at, at, in Canberra. So that helped a lot. Um, but uh, I didn't know that. And um, uh, but that went so well. We're now talking about return fixtures sort of as an annual sort of thing going forward. So from, from little things, you know, I think larger things can grow. It's just about, having some ideas and, and, and reaching out. I think rugby fraternities is actually very friendly and helpful. You know, there's a yeah, rivalry on the field, but I think we're all sort of trying to pull from the, you know, and pull together and, and, and see the sport thrive and survive into the future. So I'd encourage coaches to reach out and ask for help and, 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 you know, ask for a trial game in the preseason if they, if they, if they think that'll benefit their team. So worst case scenario, they say, no, nah, sorry, we can't, or whatever. What, what, what have you lost? You know, it's, um, yeah, so so just being yeah you know, uh, open, asking for help when you need it, I think is is the key thing that I'm learning as well. And uh, there's, it's amazing how much helps out there if you're willing to ask the question. Yeah, that's awesome you brought that up because I think um, young coaches when they're starting out really struggle with asking. Like they'll ask somebody like they think is on their level, but they won't like go and ask the first grade coach or. Mm you know, the director of rugby or, oh, that guy's a state coach. I can't ask him that because I look like an idiot. Um, and I've sort of found over the last few years that the more people you ask, the more information you're going to get. 
Yep. Um, and you don't often get invited to things, but if you ask, they very rarely say no. Yeah, of course. Um, you know what I mean? Like there's always stuff going on somewhere and they're not going to invite every club coach, but if you rang them up and went, oh, look, can I come down and watch your first grade train and have a, we'll go and have a beer or a coffee after training. 95% of the time they're going to say yes. Or yeah. they might go, oh, mate, not this week. How about next week? Or, yeah. you know, even the trial game stuff, they might go no for this year because they've already got it planned. But, mate, if you contact us in, you know, November, we'll make it happen for next year. So, yeah. yeah and it's it, amazing. It's amazing, you know, um, it's the one sport, but the different perspectives people bring, you know, and, and even having coached for a number of years, you speak to a different coach and they bring a different perspective on, on what you think is, is, oh, I think I've got that sussed. And you hear, well, actually, there's there's more to learn about this. And that's a different way of approaching it or a different skill or a different mindset to, to training the scrum or the line out. So um, I also have sought to, you know, any parents that have a rugby background, you know, um, I've recently got them into to, to do some work on line outs, which I thought we needed to improve on. So um you know quite often parents of kids that play rugby uh will have played so in inviting them to share their knowledge as well i think is another another way to uh, to build that sort of sense of community around the team and um um you know i played hooker so i know about throwing it in but sort of the nuances of lifting which we started to do this year added a new layer of of, of technical um rigor to the line out and so getting a parent in who who's played second row is used to sort of the timing of the lifts and and different variations it was was really useful and um so you yeah, don't don't feel a burden is all on yourself there's heaps of people out there that are willing to to step in and and, and help develop you as a coach if, if you proactively ask the questions you make the point yeah um the only thing i would say about that is absolutely use the parents you got but talk to those parents beforehand and actually find out, you know, um, what they know. Cause they might go, Oh yeah, I, I played a second row and then they get there and you just, I've, I've seen it before. And this, this guy's turned up and you just go, Oh Jesus. Yeah. Like he had, he, he, yeah, he yeah. played second row like 30 years ago. It was just like, no mate, yeah. like that's or yeah, you know, they do a bit of old school yeah. coaching or so. Um, it's good to use the parents, but just sort of have that conversation around what, what their knowledge is, um, especially around some of the new law variations and, mm -hmm. you know, especially with like little nuances and stuff like that. But, but you can always give them, well, we don't do this anymore, we do that, you know, or, or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been stung by it myself, so that's why I'm... We'll be not cautious of it, but just yeah. we'll have that conversation with them now and go, you know, we don't do this anymore. We do it this way. Yeah. But essentially, the principles are still the same, you know. Um, yeah, maybe I should have put a qualifier. So the guy, you know, yeah. the guy I knew had played first grade rugby not that long ago. Yeah. And so I knew there was probably that, that level of technical knowledge that, that would have would be useful. Um, but yeah. you're right, just sort of asking for any parent to come and impart any knowledge is probably a dangerous thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but if you have that conversation with them, and you just never know what that'll turn into as well. They might be your next assistant coach, or that's right, or, or go further. So that's really and good. Andrew, question for you: What advice would you give for someone like me in terms of you know, trying to develop my coaching knowledge and capacity, you know, to a higher standard, and and try and help to 
you know, again, improve my squad to that, to that next level? Um, so as a coach, um, mate, my advice would be pretty much what you've said. Just be open-minded, be willing to learn, um, be, willing, be willing to accept that you're going to stuff up um, and be open. Like, like the senior team I coach now, if we're doing something, I'll just go, guys, this is not working. What it looked like in my head and what this looks like, it no, we're, we're going to scrap it. Yeah. Um, and that also shows them that when they're at that point where they think it's not working, they can say to me, "Oh, mate, this is not working." Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ask ask questions um, of yourself, of your assistant coach. Um, a really good thing that I did um, that I. I I usually do it during pre-season because that's what, to, to blow the rust out is I've got a GoPro and I just wear a GoPro to training and I strap it to my chest. It doesn't see everything I see, but I review um, and I don't look at the footage. Like I, I loosely look at the footage, but I actually look at the verbal content because, mm. and, and I still struggle with it now. A lot of, a lot of coaches um, when they're starting out, struggle with that stuff around questioning the players and being comfortable in silence. Um, like you'll ask, you'll ask the boys a question and you know what you want them to say. And if they don't say it within two seconds, you jump in and give them the answer. Yeah. And then they, then they walk away and they, they still don't know what you're talking about. Um, so be comfortable in that. Ask them a question and let them think about And even if the answer's wrong, at least they're thinking about it. Yeah, we actually had an example of that at training yesterday. So I noticed that our boys, um, when they get a penalty, uh, they're rarely kicking for touch and getting some territory, despite having some quite good kickers in the team. And I said, guys, you know, I understand that, you know, possession wins footy games. It's my, you know, it's my favourite saying. My players will say that I say it too many times at training. Um, uh, but I sort of said, look, you know, what, what's the reluctance to kick for line? It's like, oh, you know, I'm not sure. What if I don't make the touch? And I sort of said, well, you know, you need to practice those skills. So let's let's do a bit of that here. But, you know, if you can just do that in a match day situation, get to the oval and kick it out. And then I said, okay, when wouldn't we do that, though? And they sort of got had a few blank faces and uh, someone said, oh, something like, oh, if you've got a bad kicker, I said, yeah, okay. When else might we not kick for line? And sort of the cogs are turning. And then finally, one kid said, "Oh, if our line if our lineout's not working very well that day," I said, "Precisely." Yeah. So, you know, you you you've got to adjust. You know, my other second favorite saying is, you know, rugby. You know, you've not played on autopilot. You've got to think. Mm. It's a thinking game, and um, you know, understanding what your different choices are and taking the right option is is critical to becoming a great footy player. So. Um, that was rewarding to, to you know, for, for them to come up with the right answer in the end. Um, but I think yeah. you're right. I think uh, letting them have the space to, to talk about it and come up with their own solutions is important. And, and sometimes it's difficult for the players to get in the habit of knowing that I'm just going to stand here until you answer that question. Um, but then they'll start thinking about it. And sometimes I'll come out with, you know, some something left field, and you just go, "Oh, 
hang on, yeah, no, you, you, well. you know, like, Jesus, yes, mate, you, I've never thought of that, but awesome, you know, he might say, well, why didn't we kick the ball out there? And he might go, well, I saw if I tapped it, we had a three-on-one three on overlap out, and you go, oh, yeah, awesome. So um, yeah. That, that questioning stuff, um, allow allowing the players to make errors, like skill errors. Um, mm. So for me, um, especially when I do the rep stuff, the boys know they can make skill errors, but they can't make effort errors. Yeah, yeah. So um, like if, if they drop the ball, that happens. And then you can say, well, why did you drop? And not why did you drop the ball? What happened? You know, like yeah. there's all this questioning stuff around it. But if, if they're not making, for me, and you know there's a lot of coaches out there that view the same as me if you're doing a catch pass drill and they're not making a mistake the drill's not hot change the drill yeah yeah um but then if they're dropping every second ball that's too hard change the like be yep. able to change and and look at that um and be be able to support them in that and just go okay guys yes yeah, sorry guys that was way too way too difficult for that's where we want to get in the end but we're just going to back it off a bit and we'll do this and it may be that you run another drill and then come back to it and they nail it yep. um and don't don't be afraid to change stuff up if you need to but yeah just speak to coaches um watch if you've got the opportunity um you know talk to your, your first grade coaches um or the like the premier grade coaches and just go mate do you mind if I come down and just watch, watch a session? Yep. Um, you know, and, you know, that, and you can just, because I think it, for me, we coach, and when we do all our coach, what I call coach education stuff, like you're going to do your smart rugby, your level one, your level two, your level three, that's about coaching a skill, how to catch pass. But as, and especially new coaches or younger coaches, it's the, how do we coach? How do you coach? this how do you how do you keep the kids engaged when it's three degrees and you've got five yeah. kids there and three kids injured and oh how do i get my message across for this and how do i use this guy here and all that type of stuff that that takes time um around that um but yeah just and like you said there's plenty of um resources out there now um like youtube and all these, there's plenty of, you know, there's the rugby site and there's a few others. Um, but again, I'd say that with a caveat, if you look at it, um, and because I see coaches do it, you go, oh, you've seen that on YouTube because that drill is three levels higher than what you should be. So they've looked at it and gone, I'm going to use that on Tuesday and they do it, but they haven't gone, oh, hang on, are my under 13s going to be able to do that? Yeah. Where you can look at go, okay, cool, that was that was the end result. How do I change the drill so that my under thirteens or my under fourteens can do that drill? Um and so simplify it a bit, take it down a few few levels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like this is the end result. Um, how do I change it? You know, it might be, you know, it might be a, a three V two. So you might make it a 2v1 or something you know like just sort of look how how does it fit in with your team um and i remember years and years ago uh, one of the first top coaches i spoke to he always said to me you coach the skill not the drill 
So if the drill's not working, but you're getting the skill work that you need, keep going. Yep. If, if yep. the drill's working and they're not getting the skill, change. So you're more concerned about, you know, the catch pass rather than did he run the line, that type of stuff. Um, and if it's if it doesn't look like rugby, it's not rugby. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you, I've seen plenty of guys, you get there and, you know, you've got um, a group of kids and you're doing a the old line pass, you know, and a kid will touch the ball once and then he runs around, he joins the end of the line and in two minutes he touches the ball again mm. and again. So in five minutes he's touched the ball twice. Yeah. Can we, we do a develop pneumonia and hypothermia? Yeah. Can, can, can we do a drill where he touches the ball 20 times in two minutes? Yeah. Yeah. The same result. And then that way they're, they're moving and yep. they're, you know, they're working under fatigue and, you know, and, and we're not saying you have to smash them every, every time, but you know, if it doesn't look like rugby, it's not rugby. Yeah. Um, play, play games. Um, and Everyone goes, oh, games. Uh. But a 3v2 passing drill is a game. Because yeah. you've got, you know, I want you three guys in this grid to score down that end. That's a game. Yep. You know, it's not like, you know, a lot of guys go, oh, the, we don't want to play touch. You know, you don't play touch. Even mm. like um, you can run a line-out session, probably a bit difficult at junior level, but a lot of times when I run my senior line-out sessions, I'll have... First grade, second grade. Second grade, you'll throw. First grade, you're defending it. Yep. yep. And then they'll do that for a bit, and then I'll go, right, guys, uh, it's first grade throw. Two's your defending it. Yep. That That's a game. Yep. Um, yeah, the know, boys all, Yeah, and, and, keep, well. and, and like keep scores and, you know, just make it enjoyable for the kids and stuff what, like that. What about, um, Andrew, physicality? You know, we're an age group, as we've established, where there's, there's quite a big size difference between those kids that are, are yep. physically maturing and those that haven't. Um, I've noticed even sort of some of the larger kids, you know, some of them are physical, but others, it's not in their nature to be physical. I mean, have you, have you sort of found a secret source to try and sort of, you know, unlock the player that, that these larger boys could become or is it is sort of it's either in them or it's not? Mate, if, if I could answer that, I wouldn't be coaching the team I'm coaching. I could tell you that right now. Um Oh, it's difficult, mate, because some of the boys is just not in their nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, years and years ago, I used to play with a guy who, if he actually got angry on a field, he would just destroy people. But it wasn't in his nature. Yeah. We, we physically had to punch him in the face during the game to get him to fire up. Um, yeah, it's, you know, and then I've seen kids like physically dominate someone and, and they hurt them. And then they're like, oh, and the, their whole world falls apart. Um, yeah. I, mate, I, I don't know what the answer is. Um, probably what I would suggest is just keep encouraging them to do what, what they're good at. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's your superpower, mate. You're really good at this. Um, and mate, see that winger over there, you're never going to catch him and that's fine, but this is what you're really good at. You hit this breakdown hard and on the counter arc and yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You, you know, like give him that, oh mate, this is, this is the it's best thing. This is your job, mate. You're not here to, you know, you're not here to score that 50 meter try. You're not here. To, this is what I want you. To, I want you to, you know, move bodies. I want you to do this. I want you to, you know, um, and even get them to do, um, get them to do 
even going into contact, just use your, get them to use their feet a little bit, get them sort of not thinking about going into contact, but they're going into contact, if that yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense. Almost like um, distracting them a little bit from that. Yeah, thing. yeah. yeah. Um, and then even in your, even in your, um, you know, you, you can play some some games with them, and you might go. The only way you can score is if this guy breaks the line. So then you put the onus on him to actually use what he's good at. Yep. Um, and then once he starts doing it and he's comfortable with it, um, you know that 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 may work. Yeah, that's a good idea as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then you might you might do that for a minute, and then you go, okay, now you can't score until the winger touches it, or these guys can't score until this guy's touched it three times, or, or whatever. Yeah. Give him that little bit of, we need you to do this because this is like I said, this is your role. Yep. Um, so that that may work. Yeah, I'll give that. Yeah, a crack. there's no there's no secret sauce, unfortunately. Um, I struggle with it all the time. You get these kids, and you just go, you have no idea what your potential is. <laughs> Because you've got you've got something that we can't coach, and that's size. Yeah, yeah. you know, like you can't coach size. You, you know, you you just can't coach it. Yeah, no matter no matter how good a coach you are, you can't coach a guy to be six foot four and one hundred and thirty kilos. You know, you can't you can't coach Taniella Tupo how to be that big and that mobile. No. Um, so, but oh, good. That, so it's not just me then. That's good then. <laughs> no, mate, it's an ongoing problem. Um, yeah. That, that would be my suggestion around it, is get them doing that. Um, and the other thing to look at, especially if they're the bigger kids, a lot of them get them in the habit of run, catch, instead of catch, run. So they're, you know, they're actually moving when they catch the ball. Yep. And then it just gives them that little bit of momentum and it might be enough to you know, um, keep that, that momentum moving. And again, the distraction of having to take that short ball before yeah. the line, yeah, 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 yeah. good idea. So, yeah, so give it a try, mate, and let me know how it goes. Yeah, um, no, we'll do, we'll do. But that, that's a good, that's a, it's a conundrum, mate. And I don't know who's, if anyone's got the answer, please feel free to, to let us know. Um, I'll have to watch all your other podcasts to try. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, I think it's an age age old problem in for all coaches across any type of contact sport um how do we get those kids to to do what they do what they should be doing um when that you know they just don't have it in them yep um, so just we'll just yeah we're getting close to time mate and i know that uh, time is precious at the moment um what advice would you give yourself if you think about when you first started coaching what advice would you give yourself back then, knowing what you know now? Uh, I think it's that realisation that um, you can't just coach with a, with a one-size-fits-all sort of approach. You really, you know, you've got to, you know, different kids, you know, different backgrounds, different sort of attitudes towards playing rugby. You know, truth be told, some kids are there probably at their parents' urging. Um, you know, recognizing that and 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 making some allowances for that. I mean, I think you can you can try and imbue a sense of sort of um, you know commitment and responsibility without everyone being a superstar. You know, if they're if they're willing to come and listen and, and try to their best of ability, then then that, that's all they can do. You know, and I say to the boys, 
if you go on and you try hardest and you cop a flogging, we'll walk off with you down high. You can't. What else can you do? If the other team is physically bigger, better skilled, more drilled, more experienced, that's going to happen. That's rugby. But if you have tried your 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 darndest to, to win the game, and you don't, well, walk off with your head held high and go. You know what? We'll we'll, we'll improve and, and try them again next time. So, um, yeah, it's that sort of. Um, being attuned to, to to different kids having you know different needs and and responding differently to to coaching techniques you know there are some that have their sights set very high and happy to cobble flogging and happy to sort of you know uh, take the harsh criticism when it's needed others you know you, you, it doesn't work at all so it's about you know ensuring that you um are attuned to that and 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 just understand that they're kids and that um you know, ultimately, you want them engaged with the sport and having fun. And for some, that means excelling at the highest level. For others, it's just coming having a bit of a, a kick around with their mates. And and if you can sort of make sure everyone leaves happy and satisfied from the experience, then then that's the best you can do in my assessment. Yeah, nice, good insight, mate. Really good. Um, that's been awesome, mate. Um, hopefully, the listeners have got um, a few things out of that. I've taken some notes down there. So, um, mate, my theory is if one person listens to it and they get one thing out of it, I'm happy. Yeah, that's, um, it. that's it. So, because it's all about, um, like you said, it's all about that learning and and helping helping coaches out to get the best out of the players um, as we move forward. So. Yeah. Brilliant. All right, mate. Well, that's been all great. Right, um, yeah, stay in contact. Yeah, I think. Um, all right, mate. Thanks so much for your time, and we'll be in mate. touch. Catch you soon. All right. That's a mighty shot, a mighty Mark Lester, and Trevor moves off their own ball.